Good morning to each of you. So my family and I, we live in a little townhouse development in Manassas, and Manassas is much like cities and towns all across the country where you've seen an uptick in drug activity and homelessness in the last couple of years. And so because of this, um, it's made me a little more wary than I once was. And uh, my family was on vacation this week. We came home Tuesday night. It was after dark. It wasn't late. And we were carrying our stuff in. And I looked out. There's a, a big field, actually, in front of our, our house. And there's several large trees. And out under the tree, there's a little fire. So I was like, well, that's a little odd that there's a little fire burning after dark. It seemed like there was one person out there. And uh, so anyway, we're carrying it in and out. And you know, there's always this debate. Do you go talk to people? Do you not? Are they OK? Do you call the police? Do you not? Um, and so anyway, I just decided that you know, keep an eye on it. And the fire would be burning, and then it would be out. And the fire would be burning, and then it would be out. And the person wasn't really cooking over it. It didn't seem like they were getting warm by it. I was like, I, don't, I can't really tell what's going on here, but I'm just going to watch. And if it's still happening late at night, I may do something. And thankfully, you know, it, it wasn't. They, the fire was gone. The person was gone. Come to find out from talking to my neighbor, who we're good friends with, uh, from Bolivia, he's like, yeah, my mom saw you come home the other night. She had a little fire out there. And he kind of seemed a little bit embarrassed. And he's like, yeah, you know, we have this, this little tradition that when the first day of the month falls near Thursday, it's tradition that we should burn a little fire to keep evil spirits away from our house. And so I told my mom, I guess you can do it here, but just do it by the little trees. And he meant in his little backyard. She misunderstood what he was saying and went out into the big field and burned her little fire out there to keep away evil spirits from their house because the first day of the month fell near or on a Thursday. Does burning a fire do anything to protect us from the powers of darkness? Is there anything particularly sinister about the first day of the month falling on a Thursday? No. So we are uh, kind of in the middle of a series looking at the question. Um, somebody in the congregation here asked me to talk about what it is that opens our lives up to the activity of Satan. And so we're, we're looking at that in a series, and I feel a little bad that there's so many people here that missed the first part, and you're going to miss the ending. So we, we started out by looking at who we are in Christ, and today I want to look at who is Satan and how does he work. And then in the third, uh, the third part, I want to get very practical in, so what are the things that actually open our hearts up to the activities of, of darkness? So if, if you have questions and or concerns around that question, I would love to hear from you, um, and we'll address that at some point in the future. Today, I want to just start by doing a little bit of review where we were. The title for today is Not Ignorant of His Devices. Uh, what we looked at last time was who we are in Christ. And so as believers, we talk about inviting Jesus into our heart, and that is true. But most of Scripture talks about us being in Christ. Um, and so we looked at four truths. In Christ I am, I am new, and that is entirely brand new. I am complete, I am alive, and I am blessed. And for those of you that attend here regularly, I was amazed and blessed at how Merv King at our camp out walked through this very topic um, for two different sessions and just did an excellent job of, okay, how does this play out in our lives? How does this actually look? 
So that is who we are, who we are in Christ. Um, and today I do, I want to look at uh, the question of how, how Satan works. And here's kind of our theme verses for, for the series, for the three sermons. I'll read, I'll read them now. 1 John 5, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So again, that's kind of our our overarching uh, theme verse. And I want to just start this morning by looking at at who is Satan and who is the evil one, our opponent. And I I just want to be so clear from the outset here that in, in spending a Sunday looking at this, it is not in any way... Uh, designed to give any kind of additional credit or glory or get our eyes focused on Satan. But I think we need to know who our adversary is and, and just we can rejoice actually in the victory of Christ. Um, so I, I approach this topic with a certain amount of trepidation, um, to be honest. So I want to begin by looking at who he is and then what he does or what he is attempting to do. So I'm going to start in Isaiah 14. We have four verses that talk, and this is a prophecy, or it's, it's talking about a certain king, but most people would agree it's describing Satan and who he is and, and, uh, and his beginning or actually his fall. So Isaiah 14 tells, tells us this, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. So we're, we're reading a lot of things here into this, but, but we know that Satan is an angel. He was a created being that fell. And in these, in these verses, in his heart, he's full of pride and rebellion and he wants to become like God and to take and really to block glory from God. So the first thing, and we're going to just walk through this pretty quickly um, and look at a few, just today is largely going to be understanding who he is and how he works. And I wish we could get into more of the how we fight against him, but uh, we're going to focus on the enemy of our souls. So number one, he is a fallen angel. The next uh, verses I'd like us to look at is John 8, John 8, 43 through 45. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. So in these verses, Jesus tells us that Satan is a murderer from the beginning. He literally is out to, to kill um, wherever he can. So he is a murderer. We're also told that he is a liar. And, and beyond being a liar, there is no truth in him. When he lies, it comes out of his character. And it says he's the father of lies, or another way to read this is he is the first to tell lies and to use lies. Um, so the next thing that we see about Satan 
is that he is a murderer and he is, an, is he a liar. Now let's look at Revelation 12, uh, 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So just a, a note here. Earlier on in Revelation, it says that a third of the stars were swept out by his tail. And so that's where the understanding comes from that a third of the angels fell with Satan in his rebellion. And, you know, the pictures that, that the world portrays of Satan being a little red demon um, is not really true at all, but it comes out of this idea of, the, of being a dragon, and there's no reference of a pitchfork anywhere. So, anyway, there's a lot surrounding um, Satan that is not true, but this is, uh, this is telling us what, um, and there's a lot different ways to look at this, telling us what did happen is it past? Is it future? I would tend to think that a lot of Scripture has interpretation both for past, present, and future. Um, but let's keep going in this passage. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejo rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So who is the devil? He is an accuser. He stands, stands or stood day and night accusing and trying to prosecute the sins of people before God. Um, so he is, a, he is an accuser. I also think it's fair to say that he's an adversary. Scripture calls him by the term of Satan and the devil most often. Both of those means adversary. So it, it's clear that he is, he's an enemy of everything good. He's the enemy of our souls. And the word for devil actually means adversary or uh, slanderer. So what he does is he just he tells lies and he slanders. Um, so that's, that's one way to understand, understand who he is. I did not mention John 10.10, 10, um, where, where we're told that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And without doubt, that is Satan's objectives. Um, I chose not to mention that because in the context, I actually thought all along before I was ready to preach this that it's referring directly to the devil. In the context, it's talking about the false religious leaders or the thieves. However, I think it is 100% accurate to say they're operating out of the devil's objectives. And so it is a fair statement. He is here to kill, steal, and destroy. That is his objective um, for every person. So this is who Satan is. He's a fallen angel. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's an accuser. And he's an adversary. I want to just stop here before I get into what, how he operates and just take us back to the fact that he is a fallen angel. Sometimes in our minds and in, in, in what we hear, there's almost an equating of Satan with God. There is no comparison. Satan is a created being with limited power. Um, and God has infinite power. Um, often you, you know, 
this, the battle between good and evil can be portrayed as almost opposing equal forces, they're not equal. They are not even close. Um, and we need to be careful that we don't assign attributes of God to Satan. Does Satan know the future? Most people are saying no. No, I do not believe Satan knows the future. Satan knows scripture. He studies people, but he does not know the future. Does Satan know your thoughts? This is a hard one. I don't believe Satan knows our thoughts. Satan can attack our thoughts, and he can plant thoughts in our mind, but I don't believe Satan knows our thoughts. Can Satan be everywhere at once? 100% not. So as we do spiritual warfare, let's please keep in mind who God is and who Satan is. Um, that he is a fallen angel that is created, and he is, he is just trying to steal glory from God and destroy everything good. All right, let's look at, and we'll go through this pretty quickly, how does Satan actually work? First uh, scripture is 2 Corinthians 2. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. I love the, the last part of this. Um, God tells us that we are not ignorant of his designs. And the word for design is, it's literally, we know his thought processes. We know what he's after, what he's trying to do. And the first way that he works here is that he wants to outwit us. And the word here for outwit is he's, he's just looking for an advantage. And plain and simple, he will fight as dirty as he possibly can. He is looking for an advantage. Um, you know, I had to think of, I'm not good at chess, uh, but occasionally I play. And, and that's kind of the image that I get here, is, is like Satan is studying his opponent, if you're following the Lord, and he's just looking for any way to move and to try to get an advantage um, in our lives. Think about when Jesus um, was tempted by the devil. It says he went out into the wilderness for 40 days, and Scripture would tell us he was being tempted throughout those 40 days. We know specifically what he was tempted by at the end, and Satan leaves, and it says that he left him for a season, which basically means Satan left looking for an opportune time. And so whenever we engage our everyday life, we have to know we have an opponent who is watching for ways to get an advantage and, and opportune times. So we looked at who he is. We're going to look at how does he work. First way he works is he just looks for an advantage. The second scripture is 2 Corinthians 4. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So here we have Satan referred to as the God of this world, thinking back to our theme verse that the world lies under Satan's control. The way he functions is blinding and you would expect this next word to say the eyes. 
but he's functioning by blinding the minds of unbelievers. As we engage with Satan, we have to realize that our primary battleground is in our mind and in our hearts. That is really what Satan is after. So how does he work? Uh, he is trying to, blinding the minds to the light of the gospel. Let's look at another way he works. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So when we hear God's word and we don't understand it, Satan is actually watching for opportunity. And I don't, I don't even know how all of this works. But he's watching for opportunity to come snatch the seed before it can take root in our heart. Again, this sounds a lot like blinding, blinding our eyes or our hearts so we don't understand and, and the word can't take root. He is desperate for the word to not take root in your heart. He is after faith in your heart. He really, what he hates is when we, when faith takes root in our heart. So the third thing is he's snatching the word from hearts. Let's look at a fourth way he works. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. So the, the promise of God is that we can be strong and stand firm in him. But how does Satan work here? Uh, it talks about the schemes or the wiles of the devil. And it, the word just literally means it's, it's like a craft to deceive. So he's carefully thinking of ways to deceive. That's what we are to stand against. And, and the picture here is, I mean, again, it's, a, I mean, it's very much a military picture where you are called to stand your ground and Satan is coming against you. We're called to stand and to stand strong in the power of the Lord as he, he plots and schemes uh, to come against you. So he is scheming to deceive. That is uh, one of the ways that he works. The next one. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So at the end there, Satan is he's cunning and he's trying to find ways to tempt us um, to walk away from Christ. And, and the passage references Genesis 3. So I just, I know we know that story, but I'd like to look at, at how Satan actually tempted Eve. And I'm not going to read this, but, but he comes, he says he's, he's craftier than the other beasts of the field. And he comes to Eve, and his, his first question is, did God really say that you can't eat of any tree here in the garden? And so what does Eve do? You know, Eve Eve talks back to him and says that God said that um, we can eat of the fruit of the trees, but the one in the middle, we can't eat or touch it. So she kind of adds to what God had actually said. So then the serpent comes back and says, you're not going to die. So he, he's coming directly against what God said is going to happen. And then he makes a false promise. Um, he says, you're not going to die. And in the end, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God. 
And so then the woman uh, looks at the food. It's delight for the eyes. That's true. It was. God had made it. Um, it looked good. And she de- it was desired to make one wise, so she takes it and eats. And Satan is right. Their eyes were opened, but not at all the way that he promised they would be. He had completely lied to them, and, and they had gotten them to go down the path of, of believing them. So Satan is attempting to lead us astray, and we can see the progression that he takes when he comes um, to bring us temptations. All right, the next one, I'll start in verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will their end will correspond to their deeds. So Satan is able to make himself look like what he once was, a good angel. He's not, but he's able to make himself look that way. And, and in the end, false uh, leaders and servants will, will correspond with their deeds. Their, their lives will be shown to match their heart and their fruit. Um, thinking about how Satan can come to us and tempt us, When Satan came, what we have recorded, when he tempted Christ, isn't it amazing that he used the word of God? Is that not trying to appear as an angel of light? He uses the word of God incorrectly and for wrong motives, trying to get um, Jesus to sin. And if Satan can attack Jesus in that way, he uses the same tactics for us, that he will disguise himself and try to look good. So another scheme is appearing as an angel of light. The next one is short in Ephesians 4. I'll read verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So the word here for giving an opportunity to the devil is it's the idea of giving just a little bit of ground. So it's, it's kind of the word picture of if, if I was rock climbing and I'm, I'm just trying to keep going, and all that I need is a, a little bit of ground for my foot or my hand, just, just some way to kind of go to the next step. So Satan is actively looking for a little bit of ground in your heart. He, he just wants a little bit. Um, that can be a, a foothold for him. And that becomes a place to operate from. Ephesians 6 tells us that he uses fiery darts or burning arrows um, and I feel like those are designed, you know, a burning arrow is designed to hit and then spread from there. And that's exactly what Satan is looking for. He's looking for opportunities and footholds. So he is wanting a foothold. Um, two more that we're going to look at. Second uh, Corinthians 10, I'll start in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So we walk, we live in a physical world, um, but we are in a spiritual battle and our weapons are spiritual. We don't use physical weapons. And uh, when it talks about Waging war and warfare here, my understanding is that this is not words that would just describe some little battle with a few people. 
these are the words that would have been used to describe major campaigns. So if you are here today, you have been born into war. As long as we are living, we will live in a war. Um, and this is abundantly clear here that we are waging a war um, and it needs to be fought spiritual. But the thing, uh, Satan's strategy here is it talks about strongholds. And this is very different than just trying to find a foothold. This is the idea of a fortress. This is a, a place to operate from. And, and that's really what, what we are fighting against. Um, that Satan tries to get, and without going into too much of this, he's really after patterns and ways of thinking. And that can be very personal to me, where he's trying to get me to think in certain patterns. That can be very big, overarching, where in culture right now, he's trying to get certain ways of thinking that can become strongholds. And as believers, we're fighting against it, and I want us to note this is very different than Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is you're standing, you're under attack, do everything to stand. This is very offensive. We are called to cast down anything that raises itself up against the knowledge of Christ. Um, we're to destroy strongholds. Um, and Christ, through his power, uh, will allow us to do that. Okay, uh, so that is establishing, Satan is seeking to establish strongholds. I had said two more. I was wrong. There are still two more to go. First Peter 5. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So we're instructed that we have an adversary who is roaming around like a roaring lion. And this is very different in some ways than sneaking in like an angel of light. So a roaring lion is out there trying to strike fear, trying to just let you know that, that there's something big there to be, to be scared of. And he is. But I think in this passage, what he, the roar and what he's really trying is he's trying to devour us but he's trying to use suffering to do it. He uses many different ways, but in this case, it's the idea that we're going to have to suffer for Christ um, in the context here. So we have an adversary. He is roaring, trying to cause fear. His goal is he wants to devour uh, however he can. So that is uh, another one of his devices is seeking to devour. Um, and then this is the last one that we'll look at today. <clears throat> But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. So here we have Paul wanting to go somewhere, not just once, I don't know how often, wanting to go, and he says he never got there yet because Satan hindered him. We have stories in the gospel where sickness was caused by Satan. So we could talk all morning about this, but I want us to be really clear that Satan at times can hinder our plans. Satan at times can use things like sickness. Does that mean that all hindrances we face are from Satan or all sicknesses are from Satan? No. But we have to be aware that at times he does use those things. So I don't really have a great way of saying this. I just said he seeks to, uh, to make life difficult, and that's saying it nicely. Probably it should be said a lot worse than that. Um, 
So just reviewing um, how Satan tries to work. In my life, in the church, in the world, he is looking for an advantage. He is blinding minds to the light of the gospel. He is snatching word, the word from hearts. He is scheming to deceive. He's leading astray. He's appearing as an angel of light. He's wanting a foothold. He's establishing strongholds. He's seeking to devour, and he is making life difficult. So another thing I think I want us to make sure that we remember as we look at all of this is that Satan is defeated. He has totally been defeated by Christ at Calvary. Colossians 2 tells us that, that Jesus made a show of, stripped him and made a show of him publicly. So he is powerful and he is all of these things. He's no comparison to God. God has defeated him. And we are battling a defeated foe. So we really need to keep that in mind. And scripture also tells us that Satan cannot go beyond the bounds that God sets for him. That's very clear in the book of Job. There's a, there's a passage that I almost can hardly even comprehend in Paul's life. That somehow God used a messenger of Satan to work in Paul's life. Like I don't, how, does, how does God even do that? But it shows us that that Satan can never function beyond what God allows him to do. So we need to keep that in mind um, as we look at all of this. So thinking about today and applying this, again, I've said this, but I really want us to to just have this be the truth that, that hits our heart. We are at war. As long as we are alive, we live in war. There are no neutral parties. There's no place to go get a break um, as far as exiting the war. I mean, this gathering like this is a way for believers to come together. But we have to live with a wartime mentality. The war stops in heaven. Um, So we are at war. And if you think about why you're made, you are made for God's glory. And what is Satan after? Satan wants to block God's glory wherever he can. That's, That's why he rebelled. That's how all of this started. He was proud and he wanted the glory for himself. You are made for God's glory, so Satan is going to try to stop God from getting glory in your life wherever he can. Beyond that, you are made to have a relationship with God. What is Satan going to attack? Anything that can hinder your relationship with God. You're made to obey God. What is Satan going to attack? Anything to try to keep us from walking in obedience to the Lord. Satan is fighting anything that is godly and anything that points people to God, anything that reflects God. And so it is no wonder that Satan attacks how we're made, what it means to be made in the image of God, that he attacks churches, that he attacks marriages. Um, that is, he's trying, he's ultimately fighting God and trying to keep glory from him. I also want us just to know that in our life, Satan will bring very personal temptations to us. And Satan will bring anything from, from pleasure to this looks good to following Jesus is too hard. It's too much suffering. He doesn't, he doesn't care which temptation he brings. And it's amazing if you look around you can see this played out in people's lives. You can see lives that are completely destroyed in sin 
that, that are so repulsive. You're just, just addictions and just utterly destroyed. And you can see the work of Satan. On the other hand, you can have lives that are ultra successful by the world standard, but literally no less destroyed by Satan in the end. It's whether we're going to choose to believe God and the, the eternal perspective on it. I also want me to know and us to know that what you will face this week is a battle in your mind. What are you going to believe? Satan attacks our minds all the time. What are we going to believe? What will we think about? I'm going to face a battle in my heart. What will I love? What are the things that I'm going to love and care about? And then there's a battle of obedience. What will I do? Um, in Luke 20, I'm not going to read this. There's a story of right, at, right before Jesus is about to be crucified. He's talking to Peter, and he tells him, Peter, Satan, the word says, Satan desires to have you. And he goes on to say, sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. He tells Peter, you're going to fall, but I'm going to restore you. And after that, you're going to serve the brothers. And as you think about Satan, who he is, he is a slanderer. He is an accuser. He is attacking. And, and that's true for each of us. But Jesus says, I've prayed for you. And one of the things that's so meaningful to me in studying this, in 1 John, Jesus, well, God tells us that if any of us sin, we have a what in heaven? We have an advocate. So an accuser literally is, the, the meaning is just somebody who is in, in a court or legal setting just prosecuting and saying, look, this person is wrong. They deserve it. Just again and again, we have an accuser. Jesus describes himself as an advocate. And he tells Peter, I've prayed for you. Hebrews tells us he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Ever lives to do this. And the word for advocate is the exact same word for the comforter um, that's used in John to describe the Holy Spirit. So we have an accuser. We also have an advocate who is saying, this is all forgiven. This person is in Christ. Satan, you have no, you have no grounds to stand on here. You're completely defeated. That person is mine. So we have an accuser, but if you're here and you're born again, we have an advocate um, that is, is guarding us and, and keeping us safe. So again, this is who the enemy is. Um, this is how he works. So I'm, again, I told you this is a little bit, uh, I don't know what word to use to, to preach about this. Um, I don't want this to diminish the complete victory of Christ and the confidence we have in Christ. Um, but given I'm aware of what I just talked about, so I'm going to open this up for response in ways that I don't normally. There's lots of things that we didn't cover that I, we could have. But if there's anything here that you feel like was misrepresented or if there's just a testimony or anything that you would like to talk about related to this, I'd like to open it up for a little bit of discussion um, based on what it is, and then I'd also want to give a time for response beyond that. If, if you're here this morning and you feel like, yes, you know what, I am under attack from Satan, or maybe I've given ground to Satan, maybe I've given a stronghold to Satan, and I just want people to pray with me and ask God to reclaim that ground, I want to give us time to do that as well. Um, but I guess before that, any 
any comments or discussion around uh, what was taught today? I want to make sure that it is truth and uh, accurate. Darren? Yeah. 